Welcome to the eighth episode of the third season of Breadcrumbs, our youth ministry podcast at Better Life Church. I'm William Tai, the youth minister. Our theme this season is where God has taken me, my spiritual journey. Fact is that life is a journey with peaks and valleys. In our spiritual lives, our relationship with Jesus Christ is no exception. But it's often by virtue of the journey itself that we grow and draw near to our God and Savior. At Bread of Life, we have our annual missions conference every October, so it seemed fitting to do a missions-related episode. So in this episode, we'll be listening to a Bread of Life-supported missionary couple who are currently partnered with Wycliffe Bible Translators. This mission organization speaks for itself, but essentially their goal is to translate the Bible into every known language so that every ethnic group will be able to have the Word of God in their native tongue. These missionaries who I'll be interviewing, they serve in a closed country, which is why they will remain, will remain anonymous in this podcast. But from what they share and hearing their experiences, we can get a good glimpse of what missions is to them and what missionary life has been like for them overseas. And with that, let's hear from these missionaries. Thanks for joining us today. Um, before we get started, can you just give us a little bit of your backstories, um, you know, how would you describe your walk with God growing up um, for both of you? I was born and raised in Taiwan. Um, I was born into a non-Christian family, and my whole family was baptized together when I was in first grade um, through the work of a Finnish missionary family. So even though I believed in Jesus as a child, um, I didn't really start to own my faith until high school when I moved here to the U.S. For me, I'm from Northern California, and I grew up going to a church very similar to Bread of Life. So my parents were involved with church. I grew up going to Sunday school, VBS, youth group, and all of that. Accepted Christ at a young age, but it was really through junior high and high school fellowships and kind of our equivalent of YSC that I really started to take ownership of my own faith. Um, I came down to SoCal to attend UCLA, and it was my freshman year of college when I was looking for a college fellowship that I started coming to Bread of Life. So I would come to the Friday night college fellowships and Slice of Life and Sunday services here at Bull. Great. Thanks. Uh, And at what point did you both start to consider full-time missionary work? Uh, What kind of sparked the idea initially? Growing up near missionaries, I understood the impact that missionaries can have at a very young age, but I didn't start to think that it would be an option until college. I was involved with crew in college, and it was there that I started to understand God's heart for the nations. For me, it was really the summer after my sophomore year at UCLA. I decided to do a summer missions trip with my home church, and to be honest, I didn't really have any interest whatsoever in long-term missionary work. I actually just thought it would be a good thing to do. Um, I knew by junior year I'd need to get more serious about internships and getting jobs and things like that. So it seemed like a good time um, just to go on a missions trip. It was really during those six weeks overseas that I was really blown away by the needs um, that 
people had overseas. And I loved waking up each morning knowing that my singular focus that day was to live intentionally for Christ. I think back home, we talked a lot about living for Christ and living out our faith. But I I just remember thinking that if I really wanted to invest in eternal things, I kind of needed to walk the talk about living radically for Christ. So I came home that summer um, after that missions trip, open to the possibility of going back overseas someday. Then I went to Urbana that winter, where God continued to impress upon me his heart for the nations. So I do want to just give a side plug for doing a summer missions trip in college. I know there's jobs and internships, but seriously, you may never get the chance to do it again. Um, But it was summer missions trips are just a great chance to see what God is doing around the world. And it'll really open your eyes um, and help you appreciate your faith in a whole new way. So what was the actual process like from kind of the moment you guys decided to do missions to when you were actually in the field? Um, Maybe you guys can also talk a little bit about just for both of you, your relationship and like how that deciding to do missions is kind of how that all worked. When I was in college, I was pre-med and I wanted to be a doctor. And I thought a lot about medical missions. Um, And the idea of Bible translation actually did not start to take root until when I was in seminary. Um, And that was 2002. Um, And after I decided to do Bible translation, I went to school um, for my training. And that's where I met my wife. I graduated in 2006. And um, we started to raise support, and I worked at church for a year, and um, and then we were finally on the field in 2008. After my short-term missions trip in Urbana, I was not ready to commit um, to signing my life away and going overseas forever. Um, for me, it took a lot of smaller, more practical steps, so I decided to enroll at Um, Talbot School of Theology at Biola after I finished my undergrad and I figured if I was going to pursue long-term ministry then I better be equipped for it. So I decided to go um, to Talbot for a year and then I was going to go overseas for one year to see if I wanted to do long-term work. Um, I loved that year at Talbot and even though I grew up in the church and knew all the Bible stories my time at Talbot really just gave me a whole new appreciation for the Word of God. At the beginning of our second year at Talbot, the two of us met and we started dating. We got married with the plan of heading overseas and serving with Wycliffe Bible Translators. I got a secular job to help pay the bills for a few years um, while my husband finished school and then worked here at Bowl for a year. And then, yeah, like he said, we went overseas in 2008 and we were overseas for over 10 years. Thanks. So we know that you guys are involved with Bible translation. So can you kind of describe just that kind of missionary work and what do you you know most enjoy about it? And then maybe what most encourages you about that missionary work as well? So yes, we work for Wycliffe Bible Translators. I'm a translator and my wife is an administrator. So when we first went on the field, I had to learn the minority language and my wife, she had to learn the national language. And um, so that was quite a few years, maybe the first three years that we did that. When I started to translate, 
or to be involved in that process. I really enjoyed getting into the village and, and visit with people, enjoying being in the mountains. What really encourages me is that when people are interested in God's Word and they want to learn more about Him, that really gets me excited. When we were overseas, I was really able to see that there were a lot of needs in these minority churches. Many of them didn't have the Bible and many of them did not know very much about the Bible. So whenever people are available to teach, preach, they always get really excited. So that kind of reminded me that really having God's Word in people's mother tongue is really, really important. So I'm sure on the mission field, you guys have had many interesting and impactful experiences. Um, could you just share an experience that you had that really perhaps changed the way you did ministry or maybe surprised you in in what ministry would look like? I think so much of me was shaped by those 10 years overseas. At one point in our ministry, I was really just knee deep in being a mom of young kids and I was stuck at home all the time. So since I wasn't in a season of life where I could go out a lot, I decided I was going to have people come to me. So we started hosting these lunches every Wednesday where I would just cook a ton of food from a different country each week. So we'd have Indian food one week and then Korean or Cantonese and then Thai. And it was a fun way of kind of virtually traveling the world with our friends. And so then our local friends, both believers and unbelievers, would come over, they'd cram into our apartment, and we'd just eat food and hang out. And sometimes we'd talk about spiritual things, sometimes we wouldn't. Um, it was just our Wednesday routine. But there was one week, I remember, a bunch of people were over, including a friend. I'll just call him Sam. I remember him holding our kids and playing with them that day, and we were talking about all sorts of things. That was on Wednesday. By Saturday, he had gotten sucked into a cult. And that next week was really hard for us. We sent our local friends to try and get him out. We did everything we could. I mean, this was someone who had Christian friends, was going to Bible studies, and just like that, he was brainwashed and got sucked into this group, and none of us could get him out. I think that experience really shaped us because you really never know how long you have with someone. For me, it was really easy, and actually it still is, for me to be timid about sharing my faith or about Christ. You know, I don't, I don't want to offend people. I feel like I should wait until I know them better, or I, I can give you all sorts of reasons. But I really believe that the Lord brings people into our lives for various seasons and we don't know how long they're going to be in our lives. You know, we don't know how long we'll have with this friend before they move or whatever it may be. So I think that whole experience just taught me that with all of our friends, we need to use our time really intentionally and to not take it for granted the opportunities that we have to potentially share Christ with those friends. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Also, as missionaries, obviously the, the whole goal is to help others come to know Christ. But even for yourselves, how has being a missionary affected your own spiritual journeys? I think one of the 
biggest things that I've learned being overseas is um, to really trust God and really rely on Him. Being overseas, there weren't a lot of things that were for certain. Oftentimes, we don't know if we'll have water or electricity. We don't know if our plane's going to fly. We don't know how long we'll get to stay even in that city. So we prayed a lot, and we rely on God a lot. We pray a lot with our kids as family. My wife and I, we prayed a lot together um, for things that we would like to do. And God really answered many of those prayers. And um, it was really amazing to see God work through our prayers. And we also learned to rely on the community. And that includes our coworkers and our other foreigner friends in town. In many ways, we live like family. The coworkers are like uncles and aunties to our kids. You know, you really um, exemplified what God's family is like. Yeah, thanks for sharing about your missionary work and certain experiences that you guys have had. Kind of curious, maybe you can talk a little bit about the culture that you were in and just how different it might be from our SoCal living environment. What did you appreciate most about the specific culture that you guys were in? I love the minority people that we worked with. They were really warm and really inviting. And every time we go to the village to visit with them, they would always beg us to spend the night. And after you spend a night, they'll ask you to spend another night. They were really hospitable and, you know, they didn't have much. Um, they didn't have much meat. They didn't have much food. But when we, whenever we go, they bring out the best for us. And so that really taught me about hospitality. We know what church is like here at Bread of Life, but what did church look like uh, for you guys? Church looked different depending on where we were living at the time. So when we lived in small towns where there were other Christians, we would take turns hosting and everyone would cram into one of our apartments. A different person or family would host each week. Someone would lead some worship on a guitar Someone would lead a Bible study or we'd watch a video and then we'd share and pray together. For half of our time overseas, we lived in a pretty remote location where there weren't a lot of foreign believers. So for a couple of years, we had teammates who would just gather with us on Sundays. But there were several years where it would just be our family because the closest foreigners were maybe five hours away or so. So it would be our family just on the couch together, singing and reading the Bible and praying together. And actually, it was very similar to how we did church during the pandemic, uh, just as a family together on the couch. We came back from our life overseas just with a tremendous appreciation for the freedom to worship, you know, not worrying not having to worry about singing too loud because people might hear you, not worrying about people knocking on the door while you hosted a Sunday meeting. Um, yeah, we just also came back with a renewed appreciation for our church and the community of believers we have here at Bowl. Yeah, I think with COVID, we've all been able to experience kind of a taste of that isolation. So I hope, you know, all of us together, we can come back to Bull with that kind of appreciation for just being able to worship together as a community of believers. 
So we know that you have raised all of your children while on the missionary field. And so that, I'm sure, has brought its own challenges and experiences as well. Can you tell us a little bit about raising your children in this different culture, this different environment? What were some of the advantages that you see from that? And then perhaps some of the disadvantages as well? Yeah, we definitely did not raise our children in the traditional American way. I think our oldest child had taken maybe 30 flights or something like that before he even turned one. But I really, honestly, I loved raising our kids overseas. They have friends from all over the world. So when they see a map, they just think of people who live there. Um, They've experienced and seen a huge variety of cultures and languages. Um, They like to speak to people in different languages and things like that. I think we also got to shape a lot of their worldviews without a lot of the pressures of society that I sometimes feel here. So they didn't see the consumerism of Christmas. They just knew it was a time when we always had a lot of people come over and to talk about the birth of Jesus. But yeah, there, there really are a lot of advantages. They're definitely not picky eaters. They loved eating duck beak and chicken crown and all sorts of things that honestly I did not grow up with. So they would just eat whatever was put in front of them. And when we were in villages, they didn't see poverty, I think, in the way that we might. They just saw generous hosts who had served them a freshly killed chicken. And so I love just the worldview that they were able to kind of grow up with. And so I think that was probably the greatest advantage. In terms of disadvantages, I think there were definitely a lot of challenges. There's the practical challenges of just sending your kids into a foreign school system, wondering if they're going to get eaten alive because they don't understand everything properly or whether the kids would be nice to them, you know things like that. I think some of the other challenges were really having to talk about world politics to my second grader because he was being taught a certain prejudice in school and what that looks like for us as Christians with a different worldview. So yeah, just dealing with kind of differing worldviews and maybe contradictory messages that they might be getting at school. Sometimes those sorts of things were hard. But honestly, it gave us great opportunities just to talk a lot about God and his love for all sorts of people and people all over the world and what that might look like. Yeah, thanks for sharing those experiences. I think for many of us, we don't have obviously that kind of background and having lived in in such a different culture and it's really good to just hear like even in a different culture there's all these advantages and ways that you see how living in this different culture can really grow your children so specifically for our bread of life youth do you have any kind of encouragement or just a thought about missions that you can speak to our our youth perhaps just simply you know why do missions and on top of that for our youth who are still in school kind of have their school obligations how should they think about missionary work uh, right now sure i think first of all i would like the youth to think that 
missions is really at the center of our Christian faith. In fact, there is only just one mission, is not missions, and that's the Great Commission, making disciples of all nations. So if we look at the New Testament, there's really nothing that is more central and important in the lives of the followers of Jesus. Sure, it might look different in different stages of our lives. When we're a student, we're to be disciples as students, studying as hard as we can while being ambassadors for Christ. And then when we're young adults, it's the same thing. We're to be disciples of Jesus in our workplaces. Um, so the Great Commission is not only for holier Christians, and it cannot be divorced from our Christian faith. If you are a follower of Jesus, then the Great Commission is part of your calling. Now, God may call you to do cross-cultural missionary work, either here in the U.S. or overseas, and the possibilities are really endless. There's still a big percentage of the world's population that needs to hear the gospel, so I would encourage you guys to not be scared of it. Um, it's actually really rewarding and really cool. So if you do decide to go, you're not going alone. Uh, Jesus is always with you, and your whole church family is going with you. So when you guys are at a place where you can start to consider your career paths, um, I would really encourage you um, to be open to missionary work, whatever it looks like. Thanks for that uh, encouragement. How can we, as Bread of Life and as Bread of Life Youth, how can we best support you as missionaries and perhaps other missionaries that you know? How can we be praying for you as well? I think as cliche as it sounds, one of the best way to support your missionaries is to really pray. And there were so many times when we were overseas um, or even here and we were struggling and I really felt like it was the prayers of supporters back here that got us through. I remember when I would get desperate, no joke, I'd put a prayer item in our newsletter and seriously within a week of the newsletter being sent out, God answered and it was just amazing confirmation to me of how the journey of being a missionary overseas, it wasn't done by ourselves. It wasn't just us going, but it was really bread of life going with us and all our friends and supporters partnering with us to serve the Bibleless. Um, another way I, you know, really encourage the youth and our churches to get involved. Visit your missionaries. I we had so many people from Bowl visit us over the years and it was amazing. Like we loved it and they didn't need to quote unquote do anything. We loved it when they would just come and read to our kids in English so that they could hear English or when they would just come and share a meal with us and ask us how we were doing. That was all it took to keep us going, you know, sometimes during really dark seasons. Like I mentioned earlier, go on a missions trip. I think... I just want to really encourage us as a bread of life family to be open to how God may be moving in your heart and may encourage, may be encouraging you to get involved in what he's doing all over the world. Uh, thank you both for joining us and just sharing your guys's essentially your life work uh, up to this point and just how God has been using you guys overseas and how 
through the missionary work um, that you guys have been doing has shaped how you see him working uh, overseas. And yeah, we'll be praying for you and your family and your children um, and just the work that you guys are doing. Um, we pray that you will continue to serve God um, as faithfully as possible and um, that God will continue to work mightily in you guys. Yeah, um, thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. It's now time for three thoughts. The first thought is that anyone can be a missionary. It doesn't matter what background you come from, you know, whether you grew up in the church or just became a Christian last week. If we profess to be Christian, then we are professing to obey the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of every nation and teach them all that Jesus commanded. That's Matthew 28, 19-20. Second thought is that while being a missionary can be difficult, it can also be incredibly rewarding. It is, may also be drastically different from the lives we live here in the South Bay, and that's a good thing. We weren't meant to live in a bubble. God doesn't call us to just stay the same and where we are forever. We ought to continually stretch ourselves and allow God to work in us. Like these missionaries said, I would love to encourage all of you to be in, involved in missions, You know, whether it can just be about learning about missions, uh, or you can support it financially or through letters and prayer or even going on short-term missions. Uh, I, can t I can attest from personal experience that short-term missions can make a significant impact on one's outlook on life and how that person practices their Christianity. My third thought is that one of the phrases that stuck out to me was that she had the mindset of waking up each morning knowing that she was singularly focused on living intentionally for Christ. How powerful is that? And shouldn't that be our mindset every morning, too? That whether we wake up and go to school, or we're going to work in the South Bay, or we're in a foreign city with people who have never heard Christ, we should still be singularly focused on living intentionally for Christ. Christ is the end-all be all. And if we aren't living for him, are we really living for anything? Thanks for listening to this episode of Breadcrumbs. Tune in next month for our next conversation.